And in the seminary, yes, there are some faithful professors, there's some unfaithful professors, there's some really solid professors, there's some professors that are kind of flaky. This guy is not flaky. And he, one day in class, he challenged us in class and, and said, but I want to prove to you that there is no such thing as absolute truth. Just fire off what you think are absolute truth. And, and uh, class members would fire off these things that they thought were absolute truth. And uh, he would shoot them down one after another. You know, just one after another. And he would shoot things out there and he figured that they were absolute like the thing was in the East West. So fire And, you know, finally, you know, the, the class had exhausted everything that was about to come up with as an absolute truth. Everything was shot down. So finally, I spoke up and, and said to him, well, I got one more. I got one more. You know, before we move on to him. And, you know, this is a step that there is not such a thing as an absolute truth. He said, well, what is it? He said, he's got one more victim in the And I said, well, the statement that there is no such thing as an absolute truth is itself an absolute statement. Therefore, it is proven false and demonstrates that there is such a thing as absolute truth. And he stopped with his family and family members. And the woman in front of me turned around and said, You sent to me. <laughs> and, but the thing is, is that maybe this is a day of the day. Maybe you sent too much. You know, so we don't get run over by things that are not true. Well, we need to start thinking a little bit. Actually, I think during this COVID crisis of this last year, Absolute truth has come to come back. It has, because people have divided into these countries. But it's really figured that what, what I believe is absolutely the truth. And unless you agree with me, you are wrong. Well, maybe, maybe it's really not so much absolute truth, it's that it's relative truth that I believe absolutely. Now, I told you that In other words, it's not necessarily true for everybody, but it's absolutely true for me. So we wind up in this place. And we can still ask that question in terms of time. What is truth? I think it's not always a statement, a proposition, where you say, I believe that this particular thing, I, I believe that the thing I believe is that. I believe that you know, the, the story we're wearing today is right. I believe that, you know, believe it's not like that they're believing the Okay? That's a proposition, an absolute uh, statement proposition. You can question those kind of things. You know, I know there's been a lot of people who are kind of running their hands over their, their kids who have gone to college and they come away not believing. But maybe what's going on is that they went to college believing in propositions. Not personal. Not, not seeing and, and experiencing truth is something that is transformative. Something that really changes people. A true story that gets into people's bones, into people's lives, and transforms people. Now, today, today, in addition to Valentine's Day, is, is what we call our first Transfiguration Sunday, which is why we're wearing now, this color today. And Transfiguration Sunday is the day when the disciples go up with Jesus on the mountainside and they see Jesus transformed, transfigured before them. And, and that changes them. It the, the changes them, not just Jesus, it changes them because they see this change. But well, I think when we look at that other people and, we, and the change that this story has made in their lives, 
that can be something that we can look at even beyond the proposition of truth and say, hey, maybe the truth is true. Because it's true for the most of people out there. That story is something that's a truth for us. How do I know? Because the same is that story that it goes into the world. That story begins before the dawn of time, when as the book of Genesis tells us the spirit is coming over the world. It's coming out to be seen as a pure water, and the wind begins to blow, and it begins to cause some ripples in the water. And the, and the spirit is coming for creation. Now, the ancient people, when they see water, they talk about water, and they say, never dwelling people, so water is this mysterious ornate force. And it would be, you know, on the floor and people, you know, boats to turn over and it's cold. So the spirit coming over the water is cold to bring order out of chaos. Might there be some chaos in our world today that could be God's spirit to bring order out of that? To transform that? And the spirit was ready there to bring life where there was no life before. The spirit was ready there to bring life into the world previously was darkness. The spirit was ready to transform. The transform. The God spoke in his spirit. The God spoke. He spoke life in the beings. Let there be. And why? Yet it wasn't before, but there is now. Words are powerful, especially in God's Word. As the story unfolds, the first people were found in a place that we call paradise, but they messed it up. They succumbed to superhuman disease, and they faced the consequences of expulsion from the garden, expulsion from paradise, separation from the God who loves them, and ever since God has been asking for a way to reconnect with people to restore them. Back to that relationship with him at the heaven of paradise. He was told him back to paradise. But each time he reached out to them, people would find a new and inventive way to reject the Lord and his story all over again. He kept some people free to be his people, and they turn on him and demand slavery in his place. Give these people a land, throwing this milk and honey, and they forget who it was they gave it to them. Provide leaders after God's own heart, and then other leaders follow them who lead the people to worship false gods of wood and stone. Then prophets to warn them and to lead them back to the Lord, and they arrest those prophets, torture those prophets, imprison them, and even kill them. Each time God, the author of this story, invited people to make his story into their story, to depict the two and intertwine them like this. Instead, people chose to make a tragic comedy out of this final turn to the story to get really personal. So, God doesn't just write the story, He is the story. John said in John chapter 1, the Word, the story, became flesh and made His dwelling among us, lived among us, sin among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father for the grace and truth. Jesus came into this world as the story. It wasn't just a story where actors portrayed the part and you see the real people at the end. No, this is where you saw the real ones from the beginning. They played his own part. 
second story of the way the truth in the life is a rejection of the first of the Jesus is God's love letter to you and me. people started the back of this story. They nailed him to a post second around. They mocked him, they killed him in the hope, in the hope that maybe nobody would ever read the story again. But God had a surprise ending. He raised Jesus from the dead. Raised him from the dead and the rest is history. Or rather, more precisely, the rest is his story. We've gotten a lot of the people like you and me. Lives are testified to the truth of the story by how they were changed, by how they were transformed, by how they were made different because they made his story their story. Take the Apostle Paul. Once a rising star in the Jewish religious system, the Apostle Paul uh, went out and he tried to round up Christians, find Christians wherever he could, arrest them, throw, throw them into prison. And so one day, all of a sudden, they found this, this guy, the same guy that was doing these kinds of things, standing out there in the street corner, telling everybody about the truth of the story of Jesus. What in the world happened? What happened to this guy? Now he believes so strongly that, that, that people in cities found him, leave him for dead. He dusts himself off. He goes back into the city, the very same city where he was just found, and tells them about the story all over again. That is true. And you don't just have to believe the, the statements about the truth. You know, you can look at the Apostle Paul and say, well, something happened. Something changed. He was transformed. He was transformation caused that something happened here. That something was really someone. Jesus happened here. Paul's wife testifies that this story of Jesus is a true story. You can take the apostle Paul. But you can also take the people that we're going to be hearing from in the coming weeks. Wednesday night, not beginning this Wednesday, the last Wednesday now, but the following Wednesday, we're going to be having people from this congregation who are going to be sharing their faith stories, sharing their testimonies on Wednesday nights, as we do every year. Now, I don't know what they're going to be saying. I have heard many others in previous years. And rarely do I find anybody with these kind of dramatic, sudden things that the Apostle Paul has. But nonetheless, what we hear are people who have allowed God's story to become their story. And we've impacted them when they face the challenges of life, and they face the joys of life, and they face the ups and downs of life. God is very changing and transforming them. And we can look at their story and say, wow, this story must be true. Because look at how something happened here. Something changed with these people because of this story. It's a story. Take my own life. When I was in high school, while others chose destructive responses to the challenges of life, God led me down a different path. He led me down a path to make his story part of my story. And it's changed, it's transformed. And it's amazing to even just look back at my pictures in, in my yearbook. By the way, when Adam says that he uh, is an old guy, when he got his Bible in 1983, and I'm thinking, okay, that's a relative poem, isn't it? I mean, some of the poor might have poems that are, you know. But, you know, here, you know, I was look, looking back in, in my, my high school yearbook, and this radical change that happened from this year, how old you? 
look at what my book says. Something happened. But then I went off to college. And I closed the story. I rejected the story. I, I turned my back on the story. Because of truth, like it, because of human, you know, humanly speaking, that was going on in life. And years later, you know, even, even during that time, here's the thing, but even during that time, because I had experienced this story as transformative in my life, I knew that even though I turned my back on him, that he was still a true story. But even in the and because I knew that then, I knew that I was going to come back to him. I knew that that would happen. You know, because I could not leave behind this thing that I knew to be true. Even though I did for a moment. To my family, I left it. Afterwards, the Lord did leave me back. He did not turn his back on me. And before the parable, a lot of people don't know the parable. They think about the thing as a parable. But before the parable that Jesus told, he came out to us. He said, if that loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? And I mean, I'm not salty. I've lost my saltiness. And one day, uh, after I got into the ministry, I found myself, I was, I was on a mission trip in Jamaica, and I was called up to speak in front of this church that we were in in Jamaica. Black apostolic Jamaican church. And this place was pre-COVID. I mean, this place was packed out. You couldn't put another soul in this, in this room. Three and a half hour worship service. Think of that. Three and a half hour worship service in Jamaica. And I mean, you couldn't put a midget in this room. This place was so packed. And, and they called me up, and even before I, I, I came up there to speak, I was thinking about this very passage. Salt music is talking about. How can you make salt again? And this is, this is a crowd where you know, I'm used to Northern European Scots people, and here, you know, uh, these people are talking back at them, you know, hey man, yeah, 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 So, you know, I'm up there and I'm thinking, wow, how do I want to talk to these people? But I said with them this, this parable, and I said, you know, what's your argument on the book? So I had turned my back on it. Not all of them were and I read this, this poem, and I realized that this is me. The thought that you just talking about, how can you make salty again? And I realized that it's not, I mean, salt cannot be made salty again by the salt. I can't do it. But praise God, He didn't turn His back on me because God is the one who, you know, it's not just a poem, but it's a riddle. How can we make salty again? God is the one who can make it salty again. He is the one who can do that impossible some of the time. But praise God, I stand before you today because He made Himself himself. And I look at that transformation, which is the second transformation in my and realize there must be something to this story because it transforms people. It changes them. Making my own imperfect life a testimony to the truth of his story. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. He said, You, you are a letter from God, the result of our ministry, written not with him, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tablets of stone, but in tablets of human hearts. You believe are a letter from God. 
a letter to those around you so that they can see in you that this story is true. Because it's not powerful. It's not a story. When his story becomes your story, it demonstrates that his story is true. It doesn't mean that you're not just human being. No, it means that you're a sinner who's trying to save you. And he testifies. It's a simple story. It's a history of your story. But his story is true. A year ago, after years of listening, there was an COVID relief hospital. And we wound up closing things down here as all the churches did. And we started to really ramp up our virtual worship. When we did that, one of the very first screen videos that, that I showed was a screen video that really evoked a lot of response. Because it was meaningful for people. But they all thought that I would share it with you again because we're almost upon that anniversary, it'll be another month or more. Really today, because I think it graphically illustrates his story that he invites us to make a choice for him. So let's take a look at it. 